guys, welcome back to another episode of Geek with Dev. I'm bringing you once again another exclusive interview through Zoom. Today I am joined by Jesse Camacho. He plays Doug Brazell in the Netflix hit series Lock and Key, which we just uh, got news that it's being renewed for season two. Congratulations. Oh yeah, man. Thanks so much. And thank you for having me. This is going to be fun. Of course, of course. So you are in the, the, the friend group, the Savini Squad, right? Savini Squad, yeah. So what was being on set with all those guys like? Uh, I mean, first of all, it was just, it was so much fun. I, I'm very much like the character of a big horror movie fan. You know, I, I have that kind of club with my friends. So it was great. And, you know, you're always a little nervous when you're joining a new show or a new clique. And, you know, we were kind of, it was sort of trial by fire. Our first day was basically the scenes you see in episodes one and two. But luckily, everyone was just so amazing and so nice. And within minutes, like, we just had this chemistry. We understood each other. And, I mean, I still talk to those guys, like, today. Like, we're we're really, really tight. It was so much fun, man. So, as for season as it's season two coming in, where do you hope to see the friend group go? Oh, that's a great question. Um, well, obviously, uh, you know, I, I want to see more of them. I, I'm kind of hoping that we get, you know, I, I really like doing the, the, the big cave stuff that we do in episode six, where we kind of really get into uh, the magical element of the show. Like, we're kind of sucked in. I obviously want to see more of that. Um, but I, I just want to, you know, kind of get a deeper look at the group, like, you know, uh, myself and, and Asha, you know, we didn't really get to see a ton of their home life. I'd love to delve into that. But at the same time, I know it's really about the Locke family as well. Um, of course. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to keep things status quo, but I'd love to see more like fun Savini squad adventures. Of course. I mean, I was like, I always ask, um, when you don't have like the most screen time, but your character's still in the squad like how would you feel about an ep a, a backstory episode on the friends and maybe maybe a couple backstory episodes on how you guys came to fruition well i mean that would be that would be awesome you know I'm, I'm up for anything that would be so much fun uh but you know it's it's to me you know our the writers of the show uh, led by meredith and carlton they're like the gold standard to me you know it doesn't get much yeah. better than that so i kind of trust the process you know whatever they think is appropriate you know, I think that the squad was used pretty perfectly in season one. You know, you saw just enough of us. It wasn't too much. It wasn't too little. Um, but with as the show goes on, there's obviously room to really explore those dynamics and those backstories. So I'm, I'm not going to complain. I'd absolutely love to get uh, some background on Doug and on Zadie. And, uh, you know, I definitely think uh, with how season one ended, I won't come out totally spoil it, but I definitely think we're going to get more on uh, Griffin's character. Uh, and I think that's going to be a lot of fun to explore as well. So have they given you any information on season two? I don't want to know, but I want to know if you know anything. Uh, I don't know anything specific at all. Uh, they were kind enough to invite me uh, to the writer's room when I went down to LA for the premiere back in February when we were all around, allowed to be around each other. Uh, I went into the writer's room and uh, they, uh, they didn't give me anything. They, they, they hinted at stuff. They were saying there's going to be some fun stuff. You know, We're excited to, to explore what we're going to explore, but... They gave me no specifics, so I'm going to have to wait till I get the scripts, and I'm excited for that because that's always my favorite part of any job is getting the script and getting to see kind of what we're going to get to dip our feet into. When you get the script for the first time, how many times do you just sit there and read that thing over? Uh, several times. Uh, you know, when I got, I remember in season one, uh, in episode six, when we go down and explore the caves, I knew very little, and the Savini squad 
is not in the source material. It's not in Joe Hill's graphic novels, which are incredible, yeah. by the way, if anyone hasn't read them. Uh, and I, so I, I had no idea. Like, I was like, am I going to die? Am I going to not die? And, uh, you know, it wasn't, it was very early on in the process. We weren't exactly sure what the longevity of the character was going to be. So I remember reading that script going like, okay, this is it. This is it. I'm not making it out. Uh, and was very relieved that, uh, that I lived to see another day. But, uh, yeah, when I get those scripts, man, I tear through them, you know, so fast. And then once I've kind of got that initial read where I probably missed half the stuff, I go back and I give it like a proper uh, once over again. That's awesome. And I think that um, because it's an adaptation of like a book, it, it th these um, adaptations, when they're done right, and like you said, the, the showrunners do a fantastic job of it. They're just, they're magical. And, and oh, I think yeah. this, this show is magical. And have you ever seen the movie Spiderwick Chronicles? I, I did see it, yes, a while ago. Yeah, so like, there's just like, a feel where like you're in like a mystical mystical kind of world and it's just like it really accomplishes that and I, like it's it's so cool um but you are are not new to television you were actually on uh, less than kind mm -hmm. back in, in 2008 and that was like the that was the, the like the golden years of like teen shows can you tell me a little bit about that experience yeah i mean uh you know obviously lock and key in terms of like uh, shows that I'm, you know, a huge fan of and a show I would watch. Booking Lock and Key was absolutely a dream come true and has become definitely a career highlight for me. But uh, Less Than Kind was probably the experience that shaped me the most as an actor and as a person. Uh, being sort of the, it was an ensemble, but my character being sort of the center of the show in a way uh, was just a really amazing experience. And, you know, I started on that show when I was, I think I was 16. And we did crazy, four seasons man. over, yeah, four, four seasons over five years because we had crazy stuff that uh, that happened. That show switched networks. We lost a cast member. It was a very tumultuous experience, but so much fun. Like uh, all the tumultuous stuff was like network behind the scenes stuff that you know was so far above my pay grade. But uh, yeah, having that experience was just yeah, being part of a team like that and 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 really becoming a family really prepped me for coming onto Lock and Key, where I was sort of on the flip side. I was more of a peripheral person kind of coming in, and I was so relieved when they were so welcoming and lovely to me. It was something that I tried to do on Less Than Kind and was thrilled when, you know, they do it even more so on Lock and Key. Have you ever, have you ever thought of uh, doing any producing uh, yourself, making any, have you ever dove into that world of creating films? Yeah, you know, um, I actually, I really enjoy writing. I'm not very good at it. But, uh, but I like doing it. And I'm actually developing uh, a show with uh, one of the creators of Less Than Kind that's sort of, it's not like, a, you know, a, about me, but it's based on me as a person, you know, being a, an actor, you know, at times struggling to pay the bills while being quite heavy set and how that affects, you know, my life and every area in a way. Uh, so, you know, I, I really enjoy writing. Directing, I really like the the idea of it, the, 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 you know, thinking about doing it is really exciting, but I'm just so technically inept. Like, I feel like I would be pretty good with the actors and then when they'd be like, okay, cool, what kind of shot do you want here? And I would just be like, uh, uh, and I wouldn't know what to do. So uh, it, it intrigues me and I, I'd like to do it, but I'm just not quite there yet. Uh, I've, you know, produced little shorts and stuff, but you know, that's really when it just a bunch of friends got together and everyone kind of carried equal weight. I'm not sure that I was like a big wig on it or anything. 
but the filmmaking and television making as an art, I'm really interested in almost every aspect of it. So, well, you found your, you found your interest in that when you were really young. When did you first kind of think, you know, this is what I want to do? It was probably before you were 16, wasn't it? Oh yeah. Way before. Uh, well, I, I had a, um, I guess an advantage or, you know, I, I think it was sort of in my DNA. Both my parents are actors as well. Yeah. So I sort of, yeah, came out and around the time where I could start speaking, I knew it was something that I was really interested in. And from the age of like five, I was asking my parents, like, I really want to do it. I want to do it. And they were sort of going like, Are you sure there's a lot of rejection. Uh, it's a lot of, you know, financial uncertainty and all this kind of thing. But I was like, nope, this is it. I want to do it. And finally, when I was around eight years old, they were like, all right, well, let's, uh, let's give it a shot. And they've been super supportive ever since. Not stage parents, but like super, that's, super supportive. Yeah. That's like, you don't hear a lot of uh, parent, like when people are born into families where both the parents are actors, a lot of the times they're trying to get their kids to be actors, which I think is fantastic that, uh, that you, you got to choose it by yourself and kind of dive in there on yourself. Yeah, they, they were great, man. They like, uh, they always say, you know, you're driving the bus. So it's, you know, kind of whatever you want to do. And if, if anything, I think that they were like carefully trying to steer me away from it. Like, cause it's, again, it's just really is, you know, feast or famine when you're an actor. Uh, and uh, I've, I've been lucky and I guess unlucky enough to experience both those things to the extreme. That's awesome, man. Um, so tell me a little bit about uh, the actual, see, I bump back and forth so that we're not always talking about the same thing. A little bit about uh, auditioning for um, Lock and Key. Yeah, with the audition process for Lock and Key, I had actually, um, well, Lock and Key sort of had a long road to getting adapted. Uh, it was a Fox pilot many, many years ago that didn't get picked up. And then there was a Hulu pilot that they did, I think two years ago now, maybe three years ago. And I had originally auditioned for that Hulu pilot for the role of Rufus, which uh, Kobe Bird ended up booking, and he's incredible. I mean, that was just the right choice every day of the week. Um, but yeah, then about a year later, I, I heard that they were redoing it, and I got the breakdown, and I read the kind of the description. I was like, oh my god, this is this is me. Like, I get this. I, I you know, there's a lot of auditions you get where you're like, okay, this is a stretch. I got to really work on this. This one, I kind of was like, I just got to memorize this and put as much of me as I can into this. So I went to the store and I bought a pack of uh, goldfish crackers and I did the scene where we're watching the movie in episode one. And I just sat there and kind of ate the goldfish crackers. And uh, yeah, it was a great casting person in the room, Millie Tom, who was wonderful. Uh, and uh, yeah, and then I heard like a week later that they were looking at me and uh, it was just really, really exciting. That's so cool, man. So I'm going to go to um, a couple kind of, fan questions, people who like Lock and Key. Um, so these are the questions that I kind of ask near the end of the interview, like things like, who do you think is more like their character? Some stuff like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So who's the most like their character? I think that, well, I think I'm pretty close. I would say uh, Jackson, <laughs> who plays Bodie, uh, is really close. He's got this amazing, like adventurous energy, but he's wicked smart. Um, Amelia, who plays Kinsey, is not like Kinsey. She's super sweet and the nicest person. Not that Kinsey's not, but, you know, Amelia's not reckless like Kinsey is. Who would else I say is similar to their character? I would say maybe before the end of season one, Griffin Gluck is kind of similar to Gabe. He's a really nice guy, really funny, wicked sharp. But, I, yeah, I would say it's probably 
probably me or Jackson is probably the most similar to their character. Right on. And I think you were talking about uh, the character Bodhi. And I think that the fact that you've got the, the young, the young guy that the young people can look to and kind of relate to, like, like when I watched Spider-Wit Chronicles, I related to, uh, what's his name? Oh, I know he's just Bates. He's Norman Bates now. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Freddie, Freddie Highmore's character. Freddie. Yeah. So, and then there's also the teens, right? So this show, you can, you can watch it as a younger kid and still connect with characters and you can watch it as a teen and still connect with characters, which I think is really cool. Yeah, I think it's awesome. It's very much in that Stranger Things kind of, uh, you know, uh, sketch where, you know, you've got the kids and then you've got the teenagers and then you've even got some adult stuff with the great stuff that Darby does. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I even think we, we shift uh, a little younger than Stranger Things. I think we're a little more uh, kid-friendly than Stranger Things, although there's some stuff that happens that's uh, definitely spooky and uh, inappropriate. But yeah, I think that's really one of the gifts uh, that the writers did with their adaptation because the graphic novels are I always say pretty perfect but if you adapted them straight like as they're written it would be like super dark and it would really only be for a specific audience that isn't kind of a part of the demographic that the show's about so it would be kind of a weird mix if they did a straight adaptation yeah now did you read the graphic novels I did when uh, when I got cast I'd, I'd heard of them before but I hadn't read them and then uh, as soon as I got the job, I ordered them and I read them in like one sitting. They're so good. Like they're terrifying. They're funny. They're full of twists. Like anyone who hasn't read them, read them. Like absolutely read them. I didn't actually read the novels. I'm going to cut this mm. out. But did, once the novels end, do they continue going on past where the show ends? Like the first season of the show, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, there's, there's, I think that, it's, it's kind of a weird mix, actually. The time frame of the books, I believe, and I could be wrong on this, takes place over about a year. The first season is also about a year, I would say, or a, almost a full school year. But the graphic novels, there's a lot of story that they haven't gotten to yet. So I think the show is just doing this, maybe the same kind of stuff over a longer period of time. But it also diverges a lot. And eventually the show is going to be creating its own path completely, I would say. But What's cool is that they've got Joe Hill, very much you know, a part of the uh, a part of the writing or the creative experience. So it's very much you know the same DNA. Sweet. Um, and then one more question before I kind of wrap it up. If there was like a dream show, this might be hard for you to think about, but I like challenging my guests. If there yeah, was no, something absolutely. that you'd love to be on, something. What's a show that you think that suits you? Uh, well. You know, again, along the lines of Lock and Key, I'm a huge Stranger Things guy. Like, that's a show that I would absolutely die to be on. And I kind of feel like I sort of accomplished that with Lock and Key because I really do feel like they're similar. Uh, but there's, I mean, there's so many shows out there. I also really like, I love those kind of fantasy shows, you know, like uh, Stranger Things. I was a huge Lost guy when I was in high school. Like, that was oh, no way. My religion, yeah. I, loved I love Lost. Lost. Carlton Cuse, the creator of Walking Key, was the co-showrunner on Lost. So that was like what I was most excited about. I don't even think he knows that I was as big a Lost fan as I was. So this really kind of, yeah, this kind of checked all the boxes. But, you know, if I'm going to get, like, I guess, you know, I've already kind of accomplished my dream. But if I'm going to reach even a little further, I like shows that uh, are, yeah, as I said, kind of character driven, like uh, Master, oh, yeah. Master of None. And, uh, yeah, and 
there's there's so many of them that are that are great. So I like those really. I call them perspective shows, like uh, yeah, okay. point of view shows. Um, so yeah. So you're telling me that you got the the opportunity to uh, sit in and, and uh, fan fanboy is that what we're gonna call it over over the lot one of the lost creators and you didn't sit there and constantly ask him questions about that ending. <laughs> To sit, I've had lunch with them. I've got to work with them on set, and I think I've—I think I may have been brave enough to tell him that I watched the show, <laughs> not that I was obsessed with it. I was on the forums. I was like, I listened to the podcast he did with you know the other creator. I don't think he knows that I'm that big a fan. So Carlton, if you're watching, there you go. It's my, it's my, uh, it's my big surprise coming out as a Lost fan party. Thank you for thank you for joining me on the show. And if um if you'd like to plug anything, any social media, any projects, you know, you have the floor. Oh, thanks, man. Um, you know, right now I think the big priority is season two, and obviously waiting until we're all safe and that's uh, we're able to do that. But yeah, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I tweet a lot, and I might have one funny tweet a year, so that should tell you what my batting average is. Uh, but that's at uh, Jesse one one five one one five which was my homeroom from high school and I've never updated it. So that's pretty sad. And uh, on Instagram, I'm under uh, Jesse JD Camacho. I've got some fun behind the scenes stuff on there. And uh, you know, the occasional embarrassing picture as much as I can, uh, you know, if I can make a fool of myself, then uh, I've, I've accomplished my goal. Right on, man. Thank you. <laughs>